because remember how the two and a half tribes had asked to keep the land on the east side of Jordan. Uh, they liked it. It was good for pasture ground for their animals. And they were allowed to occupy that, uh, occupy that land with one, uh, you know, one, one requirement. What was the requirement they had to be able to inherit the land on the east of the Jordan? Their fighting men would have to go on before the other tribes into west, the western land, and help with the conquering. They couldn't just stop and, and say good luck out. with you guys. Yeah. Yes, they had to go in and conquer it. Now that they've conquered it, now they're free to go back across the Jordan and be with their wives and families that are there in that Gilead area. That's what this chapter is all about. We've conquered. Now they can go home. So, chapter 22, verses 1 to 9. At that time Joshua summoned the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, and he said to them, You have kept all that Moses, the, uh, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, and have obeyed my voice and all that I have commanded you. You have not forsaken your brothers these many days, down to this day, but have been careful to keep the charge of the Lord your God. And now the Lord your God has given rest to your brothers, as he promised them. Therefore turn and go to your tents in the land where your possession lies, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave to you on the other side of the Jordan. Only be very careful to observe the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, to love the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and to cling to him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. So Joshua blessed them and sent them away, and they went to their tents. Now the one, uh, the one half tribe of Manasseh, uh, to the one half tribe of Manasseh, Moses had given a possession in Bashan, but to the other half, Joshua had given a possession uh, beside their, besides their brothers in the land west of the Jordan. When Joshua sent them away to their homes and blessed them, he said to them, Go back to your tents with very much wealth and with very much livestock, with silver, gold, bronze, and iron, and with much clothing. Divide the spoil with your enemies, uh, of your enemies with your brothers. So the people of Reuben and the people of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh turned, returned home, um, parting from the people of Israel at Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan, to go to the land of Gilead, their own land, which they had possessed themselves by the command of the Lord through Moses. Okay, so Joshua calls those two and a half tribes and says, you've done it. You did what Moses said, what I said, what the Lord said, that's the most important thing, and the Lord has given rest, you've conquered. Now that doesn't mean everybody's been wiped out, but the strength of the resistance has been defeated. And so they can go back. They can go back and possess the land. That was the agreement, and Joshua's going to uh, make good on that agreement. I see this almost like a parent who's letting the children, uh, you know, go away to college or something like that. How does the parent feel? Sad. Sad. <laughs> Proud. Proud. Full of advice. A little worried, yeah. A little, uh, a little concerned, <laughs> a little anxious. And so, what does the parent do for the child just before they leave? Yes. And here it is, verse five. Only be careful to observe the commandment, love the Lord your God, walk in all His ways, keep His commandments, hold fast to Him, serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul. That's a pretty good summary of what they need to be doing. That's, that's a good statement. 
But that's what he's saying. Make sure you do that. You know, I mean, you can go back, but but guys, here's here's what you got to do. You know, don't forget these things. These are the basic <laughs> principles of like a life that's dedicated to God. It's, it's for today too. I mean, we could say the very same thing, except for the law of the Moses commanded. But we could say, you know, we need to observe the law of God. We need to love God, walk in His ways, keep His commandments, hold fast to Him, and serve Him with all our heart and all our soul. That's dedication to God. That's the kind of uh, lifestyle that will get God's blessing. And so, he blesses them and they go away. And he has them kind of divide the spoil of the land they've conquered. So they get their share of that since they've helped in the conquest. And then they cross back over into the land of Gilead, just like Moses had said that they could do. Comments and questions? Verse 3. You have not forsaken your brothers these many days. How many days? Um, I mean, are we talking... uh, I have no real concept of how long it took to conquer, to to break the back of of the Canaanite coalitions. Is it it five years? Is it two years? Is it one day? I don't have a good statement about that. Uh, I guess I would have thought a year, but I don't know. It's just a wild-haired guess. Anybody got anything uh, more than a wild-haired guess? <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if whenever um, Caleb... It was 85. Right, so if it was a, like a five-year process to conquer the land to the point where he could claim his city or if there's more time, less time in there than it seems or yeah. alright well we have a crisis all of a sudden things don't go quite the way we were expecting them to uh, <coughs> let's, uh, let's look at 10 to 12 and they came to the region of the Jordan, which is in the land of Canaan. The sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh built an altar there by the Jordan, a large altar in appearance. And the sons of Israel heard it said, Behold, the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh have built an altar at the frontier of the land of Canaan, in the region of the Jordan, on the side belonging to the sons of Israel. When the sons of Israel heard of it, the whole congregation of the sons of Israel gathered themselves at Shiloh to go up against them in war. Wow. <laughs> Man, they've no longer gotten back across to what do they make? Civil War. Because? <laughs> the altar. I got this big, big altar right there. Right there by the Jordan. I mean, of all things, they didn't even hide it, you know, well within their territory. Put it right there by, by the Jordan where the, the people on the uh, west are bound to see it. Well. Well, it sounds like it's on the west side of the Jordan, is it? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, maybe it was. Uh, may have On been. the side belonging to the sons of Israel. Yeah, I think there is some... As I recall, there's a little bit of debate about where it was. Uh, my uh, Bible, the belonging to, is italicized. So it's right there at the Jordan on one side or the other. And... How does that make the uh, nine and a half tribes feel? Let's go to war. 
Why? You don't know that yet. Why would they want to go to war, though? What, what was the problem? Okay, so they built an altar over there. That's awesome. They built an altar to who? Or to what? What are they going to worship? Why are they breaking away so quickly from... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, so they're going to just have their own altar, and they're going to worship their own way, and they're going to do their own thing, and they're not going to do it the way God says, and be at the altar that... In the tabernacle, and they're not going to be our brothers anymore. Yeah, like they're just going to have their own religion. You know, make their own altar, do everything over there. They're going to worship, you know, burn their offerings and one thing or another. You know, God had emphasized the centralization of that and the place where He caused His name to dwell. But no, they they no sooner get over there, they've got an altar somewhere over in that area. And so, wow, that's bad. So, what did the Israelites decide to do? What? Well, now. You reckon they're uh, really missing war? So they haven't fought one in so long? <laughs> you know, here are people who've been battling and battling and battling, and now they're ready to go to war against their brothers because they're trying to develop their own religion. It's almost like they're so used to that being the solution that, and, and since that's war was the solution that God chose to eradicate the Canaanites and the, the idolatrous nations. And so here are our brothers possibly being the same way, and so we're just going to do that same thing. It worked last time, let's... Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> I think it shows a real zeal... For honoring the Lord and worshiping the way he says. And that even though they were undoubtedly tired of fighting, they're willing to fight again if it's necessary to unite the tribes and to to worship God together. You know, Now, they are going to investigate before they fire the first shot. Always a good idea, and we'll talk about that more in a moment. But I think it shows that zeal for truth. <laughs> How many times do we just want no conflict? Just say anything, just so you don't have a fight. You know, so we sacrifice truth in the interest of tranquility and less stress. I don't think that's the right thing. I think it speaks very highly of these, you know, nine and a half tribes. All right, we've been fighting. But we can't let this happen. We are not going to lose our two and a half brother tribes to some false religion just like that. We'll fight them if we have to. I think, you know, you can't be a Christian and always evade conflict because conflict is a part of our battle with Satan. It's a part of rebuking people who need to be rebuked and helping people. And so... I don't know. I think this is a really good attitude on their part. Not to... I apologize for jumping forward, but... That's right. Phinehas is the one leading this, and he's he's always had that spirit of... that, that zeal for the Lord. Absolutely. You saw that back in Numbers 25. And yeah, he's he's a good guy. And uh, so, yeah. And, and they are going to... I, I mean, I like to stop there and pause and think about that just from the spirit of willingness to confront, to fight, to do whatever it takes to keep their brethren. And not let them just go their own way and say, okay, well, you worship your way, we worship ours. 
Now, we're going to find things aren't quite what we thought they were, thankfully. That's a real blessing. Uh, so, uh, why don't we do 13 to 15? of Israel sent to the sons of Reuben and to the sons of Gad and to the half-tribe of Manasseh and to the land of Gilead. Phineas, the son of Eleazar the priest. And with him ten chiefs, one chief for each father's household, from each of the tribes of Israel. And each one of them was the head of his father's household among the thousands of Israel. They came to the sons of Reuben and to the sons of Gad and to the half-tribe of Manasseh to the land of Gilead. And they spoke with them, saying... And go ahead and read on down the ways. <laughs> How far would you like? Oh, until I stop you. Twenty, I think. Okay. Thus says the whole congregation of the Lord, What is this unfaithful act which you have committed against the God of Israel, turning away from following the Lord this day by building yourselves an altar to rebel against the Lord this day? Is not the iniquity of Peor enough for us, <coughs> from which we have not cleansed ourselves to this day, although a plague came on the congregation of the Lord, that you must turn away this day from following the Lord? If you have rebelled against the Lord today, he will be angry with the whole congregation of Israel tomorrow. If, however, the land of your possession is unclean, then cross into the land of the possession of the Lord, where the Lord's tabernacle stands, and take possession among us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, or rebel against us by building an altar for yourselves, besides the altar of the Lord our God. Did not Achan the son of Zerah act unfaithfully in the things under the ban, and wrath fall on all the congregation of Israel? And that man did not perish alone in his iniquity. Alright, so <laughs> Phineas taking the lead with ten chiefs, one from each tribe, go and talk to these people on the uh, east side of the Jordan. Ten tribes. We don't have ten tribes of Israel, right? You know, the t- two and a half are on the other side already. So, so we just have nine and a half. But the half tribe was going to like pull away from the other half tribe if they I were. I suspect that like they've got the the East Manasseh leader and the West Manasseh. I agree. Leader. Yes, and I agree. Otherwise, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, kind of like East Germany and West Germany, or East Berlin and West mm-hmm. Berlin. But that's before almost all of your times. <laughs> ah, maybe all of you, except for Debbie. You learned about that in history class. You didn't know about it. We learned about that in history. Yeah. <laughs> Was it ancient history or modern? It's in there. It's archaeology now. (laughs) I don't doubt it. They probably dug and found the Iron Curtain somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So, they they send these guys to the two and a half tribes and say, What are you doing? You know, what's this unfaithful act which you've committed against the God of Israel, turning away from following the Lord this day by building yourselves an altar to rebel against the Lord this day? You know, you, you're you rebelling already, making this rival altar. You know, now, there's something I like about this. When they see that the two and a half tribes have a problem, who do they talk to about it? They confront the two and a half tribes. They don't go to the Edomites and the Moabites and the Ammonites and the Amorites and the Philistines and the Egyptians and everybody else and tell them about it. They go and challenge them. They're the ones that have the problem. That is a good idea. Sometimes we're too cowardly to talk to the person that we're worried about, and so we tell everybody else who can't solve the problem instead of talking to the person who could solve the problem. And I like their attitude in this as well when they say, you know, look, Verse 19, if the land of your possession is unclean, 
you know, if if you just if this isn't a good place for you, then come on over and join us. We'll give you our possession. You can have territory with us. We'll be glad to have you over here. Just don't rebel by building a rival altar. So they're not, they want unity with these brethren. They're saying, come on, we got space for you here. We can have you here. If this is just not a good environment, if this is, this is going to be a problem, come on over. So it's not, you know, I mean, they are ready to fight, but they haven't got like resentment, bitterness, and, 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 and one-upmanship. They just want them to be reconciled to God, and they're willing to fight to have it, but they beg them, come on over. If this is not a good environment for you guys, we'll share. We got land for you. So, I mean, that, that's almost emotional to think about them saying that. You know, I mean, think about the idea of how the whole group <laughs> should take responsibility when the, some, the rest of the group isn't doing well. You know, it's like, you don't just say, oh, well, we lost two and a half. Hope the other nine and a half stay good. Well, at least me and my family, we're doing fine. No, you worry about the two and a half. The good shepherd that abandons the 99 safe sheep to go after the one that's lost. I mean, it's that kind of mentality, that kind of spirit. And uh, so, comments and questions through verse 20. I also think verse 19 was way cool. Yes. Where they're, where they're saying, you know, we'll make room for you, you know, because every one of those tribes had, had to recognize that we would be giving up some of our land if we needed to absorb it's come know, another two and a half more tribes. Somebody's going to have to move over. You're going to have to redraw the boundaries, and, you know, this is no longer... Benjamin, this is now whoever, and and that was, you know, if there's is this if there's an issue, then here, yes, you can come be part of this. Yeah. Other thoughts. All right. Um, how about twenty one to twenty nine? Then the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half tribe of answered and spoke to the heads of the families of Israel. The mighty one God, the Lord. The mighty one God, the Lord. He knows and may Israel itself know if it was in rebellion or if it, or if in an unfaithful act against the Lord do not thou save us this day? If we have built us an altar to turn away from following the Lord or to offer a burnt offering or grain offering on it or if to Offer sacrifices of peace offerings on it. May the Lord himself require it. But truly we have done this out of concern for a reason, saying, In time to come your sons may say to our sons, What have you to do with the Lord, the God of Israel? For the Lord has made the Jordan a border between us and you, (coughs) you sons of Reuben and sons of Gad. You have no portion in the Lord, so your sons may make our sons stop fearing the Lord. Therefore we said, let us build an altar, not for burnt offerings or for sacrifice. Rather, it shall be a witness between us and you and between our generations after us that we are to perform the service of the Lord before him with our burnt offerings and with our sacrifices and with our peace offerings that your sons may not say to our sons in time to come, you have no portion of the Lord. Therefore we said, it shall also come about if they say to the, if they say this to our 
generations in time to come, then we shall say, See the copy of the altar of the Lord, which our fathers made, not for burnt offerings or for sacrifices. Rather, it is a witness between us and you. Far be it from us that we should rebel against the Lord and turn away from following the Lord this day by building an altar for burnt offerings, for grain offering or for sacrifices. Besides the altar of the Lord, besides the altar of the Lord our God, which is before His tabernacle. Wonderful response on the part of the two and a half tribes. They have been, you know, very forcefully accused. They've been called on the carpet. They've been uh, backed into the corner, and they don't get defensive, and they don't get intimidated. They said, "You don't understand. The Lord knows we were not rebellious." And if we were, may God condemn us today. You know, but it wasn't rebellion. Uh, we have not, we're not going to offer sacrifice in this altar. It's not a worship altar. Well, what's the purpose of the altar then? It's a witness. In what sense? What's it supposed to witness to? Well, by being a copy of the altar before the Lord, it's supposed to remind both sets of people that they're actually one people. And yes, those who are on the east side of the Jordan have a portion with the uh, portion of the Lord, you know, and a place before his altar. Exactly. And even to future generations, it's going to symbolize we belong together. We east side people come to the west to worship. That's a part of the way we do it. That's the way we've always done it. Here's the altar that kind of visually symbolizes that. This is going to be a symbol of their union, a symbol of the fact that they were to cross the Jordan and go to Jerusalem to worship. So this was not intended to be a rival religion at all. Really, it's kind of ironic. But what was intended as something to unite the people ended up dividing them. Uh, but the goal was, on the part of the two and a half tribes, we just want to witness to be able to tell our kids and our grandkids and them to tell their kids and all that, we all belong together. Were they, I mean, it sounds like they were kind of, I don't know whether they were worried that they could be excluded, I mean, like, specifically worried or if they were doing it out of an abundance of caution type of thing. Uh, well, obviously this has never happened before, so I don't know if they have a track record enough to know what the likelihood would be. But I assume they are assuming that there could be some likelihood of that, and they sure don't want it to happen. They want their kids and grandkids and on down to be able to worship together in Jerusalem. Was it always the intent for there to be possession east of the Jordan? I know those two and a half tribes that's where they wanted to go. Because it says here, because I was thinking, if I remember right, that no, it was, the Jordan was originally to be the east border, because it says here the Lord has made a border, when if they're the ones that wanted to go over there, that doesn't seem like the Lord made the border, they, they have chosen that. I think that's a difficult question to know the answer to. Um, I mean, one thing you might think about is how... They did not mess with the Moabites or the Edomites or those people. They just went around them. But they didn't go around Sihon or off. 
and they wiped them out, and I think that was because they were considered to be part of the land. So I, you could argue it either way, but I'd probably lean toward, yeah, God intended them to be there. That'd be my feeling. But now the one thing you'd have to say is, well then, can you think they already entered the land? <laughs> and really there does seem to be a real thing about entering, crossing the Jordan and entering. So I, you can see it both ways. But I certainly would hesitate to say God did not have any intention of them being in those two and a half tribe area. That's my two cents worth. Almost like he he <laughs> knew that they would see it and go, dude, this is great grazing land. Uh let's see if God will let us have it kind of thing. Certainly God knew what was going to happen, but I mean, I think if God had said, no, this is not the land I'm giving you. I mean, he could have said that. So, I mean, he gives them the cities of refuge over there and everything. I, I pretty much view it as legitimate. Other thoughts? When the, um, when the, the, kingdom, well, when the kingdom was being eaten away, did the east side go fairly quickly? Yeah, I mean, you certainly had a lot of problems on the east side. Okay. You know, a lot of wars with Aram, Syria, and things like that. Um, so, I would say they were more under stress. Okay. I don't know about exactly the order of the captivity when the Assyrians came through. But I think they had a lot of problems with it. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of barriers that separate us and you know people of the church, whether they be geographical barriers or social barriers or whatever. And um, I guess those that are in the majority need to look and be sympathetic to the needs that are in the minority and look for ways to bridge those gaps. Great, great uh, thing to, to observe because, I mean, that is the danger. These nine and a half decide we're pretty good ourselves and, and not reach out to the two and a half. Yeah, that's a good point. Other thoughts? All right, so 30 to 34. So when Phineas the priest and the leaders of the congregation, even the heads of the families of Israel who were with him, heard the words which the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the sons of Manasseh spoke, it pleased them. And Phineas the son of Eleazar, the priest said to the sons of Reuben and to the sons of Gad and to the sons of Manasseh, Today we know that the Lord is in our midst, because you have not committed this unfaithful act against the Lord. Now you have delivered the sons of Israel from the hand of the Lord. Then Phineas the son of Eleazar the priest, and the leaders returned from the sons of Reuben and from the sons of Gad, from the land of Gilead to the land of Canaan to the sons of Israel, and brought back word to them. The word pleased the sons of Israel, and the sons of Israel blessed God. And they did not speak of going up against them in war to destroy the land in which the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad were living. The sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad called the altar witness. For they said, it is a witness between us that the Lord is God. Well, I think this speaks well of the nine and a half tribes. They accepted the explanation. They were ready to go to war. They very directly confronted. But they listened to the explanation. They realized, no, this altar wasn't for <laughs> sacrifice. No, this wasn't an attempt to divide. It was an attempt to unify. 
And they accepted that. You know, we need to have a zeal for truth, but we also need to listen. Sometimes things aren't how they appear to be. Sometimes if you listen, and sometimes we just get our mind made up. You know, no, this is... that. When they did that, here's what they meant. Here's what they were trying to do. Maybe so, maybe not. Listen. And so they're good with that. You know, okay. Wonderful answer. They can see that. And he said, today we know that the Lord is in our midst because you have not committed this unfaithful act against the Lord. You know, we now see the Lord is blessing us again with your attitude. They were happy. You know, are you happy when your brethren are doing well? Or were you kind of wanting to be able to fight them? Mostly we fear confrontation and we shrink back from that. But there's a spirit of, I like to fight. You know, who can I blast? Who can I, you know, expose or whatever? Well, you don't want to have that attitude either. And uh, so they accept that. The people, you know, go back home and they live happily ever after. You know, and now we've got this altar called witness. Not an altar of sacrifice, but an altar just to say, you know, here is... uh, here is the evidence that these two uh, geographically divided uh, <laughs> lands are really united and we are one people and we are to work together. So we want the unity. That's a good goal. But we want unity on the basis of truth and not on the basis of some um, error. And, you know, whatever it takes to keep the unity that's right, we need to do. Um, so they were ready to go to war, but they the other side gave a good explanation. They accepted that explanation, and things are good. Comments and questions? All right, well, I'm going to stop here. This is a good spot anyway, since I'm going to be gone for a while, and I want to get to the game, so we will just do that, and we'll save 23 and